0: Welcome in. It's a brand new Tuesday scramble, April 26, 2022. I'm Rick game that right there. Andy lack and Andy before I even welcome you into the show. Joe has done it for us. He says the Tuesday scramble is my favorite content to watch each week. Let's go, Joe. Let's go, Andy.
1: Thanks, Joe. That's awesome. That means a lot. You already uh, made my Tuesday morning. Yeah, as I think the narrative this week already is how bad the field is, but I got to say, I'm kind of excited for this tournament. I, I'm interested to see what's to come. I think there are a couple of interesting things to talk about this week. Indeed. And I also think that um, maybe for like the casual, like
0: weak fields, I guess, matter more for casual viewers. Maybe mm. on Saturday and Sunday, if there's not a big name in the mix, if John Rob's not in the mix, if Tony Finau is not in the mix or whatever, maybe people don't tune in as much, but the, like we still know every golfer in the field. I feel like for fantasy purposes, a weak field never really matters. We know these guys.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, for that exact reason, Rick, I, these are actually the weeks that I tend to do a little bit better in DraftKings because, you know, I, I think I have a little bit more insight than the average guy in terms of, you know, the guys in the six K range and the low seven K range that we don't usually see every week. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'll tell you what is going to make or break my week. However, Rick, do you think we're going to get a shot tracker? Because I don't think we are. Uh, I have a page that I
0: can look that up, but I have not yet. I, I just we, assumed no. They generally yeah, don't take do. it out of the country.
1: Exactly. We don't get it at Punta Cana. We don't get it at Mayakoba. We don't get it at Puerto Rico. Right. So that's going to be a bummer. I would say right now, as it stands on Tuesday morning, that is the biggest detractor, in my opinion, from it being a fun week.
0: Nick Mars says... A very simple equation in the chat, Andy. It says (laughs) garbage field plus Andy Lack equals dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign. I think
1: that's accurate. It's accurate. It's a it's a compliment, and thank you, Nick. Nick's the best. It's also like this guy is insane. Like he is going to spend some time looking at Scott Gucheski's long iron stats, Uh, which again I take as a compliment. (laughs) Uh, I I could not
0: go without pointing out the elite club hat game we are rocking right now. So you've got Spyglass Hill on. I've got Sherwood Country Club. Those are those are just two elite, elite clubs.
1: Yeah, so y- Sherwood is like a blind spot for me because it's like 25 minutes from my house and I've never been able to play it. So you got to help me with that at some point. I'm dying to play it. I heard it was amazing. The Zozo was awesome there, by the way. Like My biggest takeaway from that course is like, beautiful condition immaculate condition and they should host more tournaments there
0: it was as pure as pure gets yeah
1: if i if i
0: ever get an opportunity to weasel my way back in i'll try to weasel us both back in there um real quick we are presented by prize picks we'll get to the four props that we're giving out the props just dropped like 20 minutes ago so we were able to to get some in the outline here the four that we have 11 times return on a power play. We'll get to those in just a second. The code you're looking for is Rick. If you want to deposit and get your instant deposit match, there's a link in the description as well. Andy, we can put a cap on the Zurich Classic. I think very, very quickly here, the favorites or one of the favorites went wire to wire and made it look pretty damn easy.
1: Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is that if you don't believe that Patrick Cantlay is a top three to five player in the world, I don't know what golf you're watching. Um, I thought this was big for Xander too. You know, I'll I'll be honest, he did look a little bit shaky uh, on Sunday as somebody that was holding a Xander Cantlay ticket. I felt a lot better when it was Cantlay's turn. But what Xander talked about basically was I've had a pretty bad season. I've had a pretty disappointed season. And one of the reasons why I thought this event was so important for me and why I wanted to play it is because Patrick has won a lot more than me. And I wanted to um, see how he looks in that environment, and I and I I wanted to use that hopefully as a confidence booster um, to help hopefully ignite my season going forward. So I think that this was a positive experience for Xander, um, but I don't think there's much to take away other than they were arguably the best. I don't know if they were the most talented team in the field. I think Morikawa and Hovland would have something to say about it, but they were undeniably the best partnership in the field.
0: Right. Which is seemingly more important in this format than just about anything else. Um, I forget where I was going with this, but it's, you know, To see what they were able to do, 119 strokes over the course of the two best ball formats, 60 out of 59, is unbelievable. Alternate shot, all good there. I was asked on HQ... Uh, I think before the final rounds, what would it mean for these guys to win? I basically argued Andy, nothing. You know, Patrick can't like it's add another win to the resume. They both get 1.2 million bucks in the bank account or whatever it is. But I this does not change my opinions, thoughts, trajectory of these two in really any sense.
1: No, and Xander would tell you the same thing. Xander would say, you know, this was nice, this was fun, but I still need to win a real event, which he does. And, you know, I think there's a lot of jokes that you can make about Xander. I, you know, he's played in the, he plays in the tournament of champions every single year, but hasn't won an official PGA tour event since 2019. Um, But I, you know, I think the Zurich is what it is in the sense that it's a nice change of pace. It's fun for the players. Um, I really enjoy the alternate shot aspect of it and find the best ball aspect of it. Borderline unwatchable in my opinion. I don't see any room for best ball on on the PGA Tour. They should I do four
0: uh, rounds of alternate shot, but true alternate shot, where yeah. literally just whoever hit the last shot, if you tap in for par, the other guy tees off the next one. Like pure alternate shot. Don't even let them
1: choose which holes they're teeing off on. I just don't find best ball, fu- I just don't find it very watchable golf. And I think al- I think alternate shot is really fun. Um, I I think it brings like a a huge element of strategy that and that's why we kept saying last week, Rick, when we did our Friday show, too, is because of Cantlay and Xander's partnership, their biggest advantage comes on alternate shot. Right. Because they know each other's games so well. And I think that's fun. That's where the strategy comes into play. Whereas, you know, you play better ball on a course like TPC, Louisiana, and it just, you know, it turns into a little bit of a, a birdie birdie contest. I can't remember what
0: their odds were when we did the Friday scramble. I think it was like plus plus one hundred and fifty or something fairly outrageous. And we got caught. I don't remember what we said, but there was a comment afterwards that it was something like, wow, you guys are already handing them the trophy and there's still (laughs) three rounds to go. And I was like, yeah. And like, kind of look at what happened, like their best format. They hadn't even played yet. And they'd already shot a 59.
1: So quick shout out to another one of our, uh, partners, not necessarily on the scramble, but a company that both of both you and I do work for an odds checker, I have to write a Friday afternoon article after the completion of round two where it's a live ad article. And I talk about, you know, who are the teams with the best value? And every single week I'll give out a team like twenty five to one and seventy five to one. And this week I wrote up Xander and Cantlay plus one (laughs) thirty five because I was like, this is. This is too cheap. I think they should be minus odds. I think their best work is ahead of them. And I will give credit to Horschel and Burns. Horschel yeah. and Burns did make me sweat a little bit on the back nine. And it did look like there were moments where the momentum was shifting. But, you know, the best team won at the end of the day.
0: Well, if Horschel and Burns did overtake Kentley and Xander you would have made a little bit more money in the one and done. Cause that's who you had $489,700 for that runner up finish from Sam Burns and Billy Horschel. That's my face. Very large. Hello. Thank you very much. Uh, which moves your total to 4.1 million. Andy, I had Seamus power, Graham McDowell. When we talked on Friday, um, my goodness, uh, they were both looking good. I said, okay, they're going to make the cut. No problem here. They made a couple of bogeys coming in, didn't even find the weekend. So you do get a big chunk of the money back that I made up on you at the RBC heritage with Patrick Cantlay.
1: Yep. The strategy paid off and you know, now, now we can, now we can play, you know, safe, safe, uh, safe ball going forward. Um, I was worried there for a second, but I kind of closed the door a little bit uh, after that one week where you had that big score and I I didn't have much at all. So feeling good heading into uh, heading into this week, which should be uh, should be quite interesting for one and done purposes. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. We've got a
0: weak field. We've got a new event on the PGA Tour. We've got a new golf course. We'll dive into all that. We'll get to the props. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear about Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, we are back. Now, before we jump into the Mexico Open, Scott McCreary says, I got to play Sherwood Country Club for the first time 10 days ago. He's a high school golf coach, and we had a tournament there. Awesome course, awesome amenities, and celebs everywhere you look. I can confirm that. There are celebrities everywhere. We we saw uh, and actually chatted with Wayne Gretzky for a minute. Paulina was out there. Like It's like everywhere you look, there's someone famous. It's actually quite wild
1: gretzky has a
0: house on the course right yeah right at like the top of the hill it's 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 something crazy where he bought it uh sold it for more the market crashed he bought it back and now it's worth like he like he gave the whole system he's owned it like twice and he's made he's gonna make money on it like two or three times
1: unbelievable speaking of which we can talk did you see any of the uh pictures from dj and pauline's wedding this weekend I only saw the two photos that I guess he he put out on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, isn't it funny that they had been engaged for 9 years?
0: <laughs> I saw a tweet that said they were engaged for longer uh, three times longer than
1: uh, Pam and Roy,
0: which I thought was hilarious from the office.
1: <laughs> They've been engaged for like half of DJ's career. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, they finally were anyway. right, I
0: guess we should actually just do this then.
1: Do you think DJ last question on this? Cause I know it's a little off the rails. Do you think they're going to go on their honeymoon now? Because it's a little bit of a strange mm. time with the PGA championship less than a month away.
0: No, I think when you're Dustin Johnson and Paulina, you can find lots of vacations and times to, I don't, I don't think you necessarily have to go on your honeymoon immediately after your yeah, wedding. Your,
1: your life is kind of the honeymoon, right?
0: Exactly. And like, yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's too much worry about that. Um, Mexico championship, Andy. Mexico Open, apologies, and not to be confused with the WGC Mexico Championship. That event does no that no longer exists. The Mexico Open has been around for decades now. Finally, an official PGA Tour event. We're moving to a Greg Norman course, Vidante Vallarta. And uh, how do you assess this resort course turned professional layout?
1: The best that I can with the information given to me, I actually think there was a good amount of information that I was able to find online about this course. You have to do a little bit of Google translating, but you know, I think I have a pretty good idea of this type of golf course, Rick. I, I think, yes, we haven't seen this specific Vidanta Vallarta before, but I think we've seen a lot of courses like this, Corrales Punta Cana, Cocoa Beach, these kind of Longer 7,400 yard plus pass palm courses with kind of wide open fairways, some water, but not really a huge penalty for missing off the tee. Um, kind of larger, slower pass palm, less undulating greens. Um, not really a huge emphasis on short game, but a ton of bunkers. I think they're all pretty similar um, in, in, the, in the sense of that they're resort courses. And yes, the tournament directors have made an active attempt to beef this course up to make it uh, more challenging for PGA tour play. But that's generally a hint that they know that PGA tour players are going to crush it. So they did change it from a par 73 to a par 71, which I think is going to prevent this from being one at 25 under. Um, But I still think we're going to see a lot of birdies this week. So do I. I, I think they did the best
0: that they could, you know, when you have literally a resort course that 51 weeks of the year is is built for me on on a honeymoon or on a vacation or whatever it's pretty difficult to to flip it they added a couple of uh T boxes they they lengthened it out I mean they turned it into a seven you're right the, the winning score is not going to be as significantly under par but there's going to be like distance is distance is not a deterrent for PGA Tour professionals
1: it's not it's firm and fast conditions right like PGA Tour players get into trouble when they lose control over their golf ball. Uh, how do they lose control over their golf ball when the golf ball hits the ground? That's firm and fast conditions. Um, pass palm is not like that, you know, pass. Have you played a, any golf on pass palm, Rick? Yeah, I've actually played. I played, we actually went on our honeymoon to Puerto
0: Vallarta. So I played, I played golf, uh, down there. We go to Mexico maybe once a year. So I've, I, that's, that's my experience on pass palm.
1: I think you either like it or you hate it. I like, I went to Mexico over Christmas break with my family too. And I am very, very used to the course that I play. 90% of my rounds at in California are like these rock hard bent grass greens. And so when I get on past Palm, I feel like I need to ram everything. Mm -hmm. um, And I don't love it, but I think vice versa works as well. I think there's some players that get on past Palm and they feel A lot more comfortable I think it's kind of a a Personal preference thing so one nerdy Thing that I was looking at this week was Like how players do they improve Their baseline do they get worse When you put them on slower greens
0: yeah, and I I found that the green grain was more important. It's it's like a thicker blade of grass, and, mm-hmm. and and it's a lot slower going into the grain. It's a lot faster going down grain. But I found it a little bit easier to read because you can see the blades a little bit. I don't know. It's just I think you got to get some rounds in on it. And if and if you're if you're new to it, it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be different.
1: Yeah, and the reason why that is, uh, not to get too into the agronomy, but it's it's a grass that can withstand the heat. Mm-hmm. Really well. And that's why you see it so much in tropical climates. The downside to that is you can't really make it as fast. You can't really control it um and make it as fast because it you're right, it is a thicker blade of grass. So yeah, I agree. You know, I heard Patrick Reed's been like down there for a little <laughs> bit, just just kind of at in Mexico, maybe having a little extended honeymoon with with Justine. Use golf facts been a little been a little quiet. I wonder if we're gonna get a statement to how they feel about uh elon buying twitter uh but yeah that might be a interesting thing that that we can talk about that i've that i've heard through the grapevine this week <laughs> well he better work on his driving and all that it doesn't matter <laughs> what he
0: does on the greens if he can't get there uh if you had 44 billion dollars to spend uh
1: what would you do with it would you buy you wouldn't buy twitter no i'd probably buy a golf course or seven yeah, i would probably i would buy, I'd I'd buy band of dunes or something yeah I'd, I'd have one
0: built and not let anybody else play it and just like, let it just be like a, my own pride, like basically what Jordan did,
1: but even, I more was going to say, have you heard, have you heard, um, and shout out to our friends at golf digest. I actually really enjoyed that po- recent podcast that you did with our friend, Steve. That's um, cool. have you read some of the stuff on Jordan's course? Like golf digest has done articles on, uh, the course it, it's cool. Yeah.
0: It's, it's basically, uh, built to gamble. So, yes. it, it the 18 holes, the way it is laid out, like especially on the back nine, like every 3 holes, there's a way to kind of loop back. Like you could loop back to the to 3 holes prior if you want to press or if you need to play more holes or if you need to do. It's like built in a way to allow gambling and it's also built like specifically for Michael Jordan. Ricky Fowler had a good quote where it was like whatever distance Michael Jordan hits it, it's very wide to that point. And then it completely narrows up. And these guys, like the pros who hit it further, have a lot more trouble finding the fair. It's like built for Michael Jordan's game. (laughs)
1: You know, what's really funny about that too, Rick is that, um, so Chicago golf club is like one of the most iconic old school. Snooty golf clubs in, in the country. It has like 150 members. And one of the things that Chicago golf club is, they don't allow gambling so they don't want you to gamble you have to be like very hush hush about it and they denied michael jordan membership at chicago golf club cuz they deny every famous oh. person they just they have they don't care about money they have no interest in having any fanfare they get asked to have u.s. opens there all the time they say no every single year it's the best golf course i ever played in my life anyway so i think it's funny that Michael Jordan gets denied from Chicago golf club, the one club where they prohibit gambling. And then he just builds his own golf course where he's just completely leading into gambling.
0: Yeah. If I ever find uh, $44 billion laying around, I will definitely uh, go that. I guess I don't need even 44 billion to build my own golf course, but that would be, that would be nice. Uh, real quick, before we get to props and other stuff, uh, John Rahm is not only the favorite Andy, he is uh, the heavy favorite. He is, he opened at four to one, after Daniel Berger withdrew on Monday morning, he went to three and a half to one uh, to give you an idea of the guys that have won on tour in tour events at three and a half to one odds or shorter. I went back to 2013 to look at this, Andy, you know how many instances there are of a guy three and a half to one
1: winning a PGA tour event? Well, how many times have there been, been where like what's the conversion rate? How many times have there been when there is a guy as low as three? So it kind
0: of depends rate. on how you want to do. It. There's a lot more like the tour championship because obviously yeah. the starting strokes, uh but it does not. It it happens more than you think. um There's probably I'd have to go back and count. Maybe a couple a year for the last eight years. So maybe like fifteen to twenty instances of guys that are actually that short. I'll say six. It's three, three, and one of them is Dustin Johnson at the 2020 Tour Championship. He started at 10 under par, so you might not even want to count that one. Uh, Spieth in 2015, that amazing year he had, he won the John Deere Classic at three and a half to one, and Roy mm-hmm. McIlroy 2015 won the Wells Fargo Championship at three and a half to one.
1: Did you see the stat that I put out on on Rom yesterday about how he's played five? Tournaments since the COVID restart, where the strength of field's been lower than 400 and yeah, he's his missed S- cut twice and he's like <laughs> 14, 17, 38. Yeah. So I will say this about Rom. And I did a full, I did like 25 minutes on Rom on my podcast, deciding whether or not to play him in DraftKings. I think it's a very easy decision in the betting markets. And I think it is a very difficult decision in DraftKings what to do with John Rahm, if that makes sense.
0: For sure, because John Rahm was also three and a half to one at the, I think it was the Fortinet, and he was like twelve thousand five hundred dollars or something like that. And now he's eleven three, eleven, four, whatever it is. Um, just for kicks, I went and looked at other worldwide events in which guys were winning events at like three and a half, three to one. And I mean, it's a joke, right? Like Brooks Kepka. Three to one, the Dunlap Phoenix Open. Brand Snedeker, the twenty sixteen Fiji International. Uh, Jordan Spieth won the Aussie Open. Uh, Scotty Scheffler won that twenty twenty Merido. The during COVID, remember some of those guys got together and played, uh, that Merido event. He won that at three. Like that's the like that's the joke, right? Now it's a full field PGA Tour event, and this guy's three and a half to one.
1: I like Tokyo Swan in in the uh, chats idea. Is Rom? What are does Rom have lower odds to win the tournament than he does to miss the cut? I can find out. I would. I think you um. You could bet both, right? I, I prefer the miss the cut side, but like it's it's definitely in play that he misses the cut. One point that I brought up on my show yesterday was, I think Rom has told us before that he gets oh. really frustrated. Did you find it? Eight to one to miss the cut. That's like t- wild.
0: To, more than twice the odds for Rom to miss the cut than win the event.
1: It's a good. I may tweet that out later. That's crazy. Um, I think the argument for Rom to not the argument not to play Rom is that um he has told us exactly how he feels about these types of golf courses. This is not a golf course that I think is going to accentuate his best skill set and necessarily separate what John Rahm does best from, I don't know, the Michael Thompson's and Austin Smotherman's of the world, right? You're going to have to make a million putts. So I think there are a lot of times where, you know, if Rahm starts out even through his first four holes and he looks up at the leaderboard and sees that Austin Smotherman is six under through six, he's going to be like, what am I, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like, I think he gets really frustrated by that. No, for sure. And if that's how the first six holes go, I'm, I
0: will probably do pretty well this week. If John is even through six and Smotherman is six under through
1: six, I think that's a I'll, I'll sign up for those first six holes right now, any day of the week, any day (laughs) of the week. So again, I think it gets complicated in DraftKings, but, uh, in the betting market, I, I think I like the miss a cut a little bit better. It's implying
0: that he wins this event 22% of the time. That's that's the implication. Tough to pull off. Okay, Andy, we got to do the props. So here's what we're going to do. On the other side, we're going to prop it like it's hot. We've got four props. If you power play them all together, it's an 11 times return on your investment. Use the code Rick. The link is in the description. We'll see if we can pull off another four for four day. And we're going to do that after a quick break. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently, 2,000 run gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun i love it and you will too sign up at rickrungood.com okay andy let's prop it like it's hot and before armina releases the board uh new course we know it's a par 71 we have an idea of how we think it's going to play but we're a little bit blind in weeks like this it's outside of just the advanced reconnaissance that we've we've been able to do
1: Yes. And the caveat that I mentioned to you uh, before we went hot here that I would say to all the listeners as well is we're probably going to get tea times in the next hour or so, maybe two hours. And I would say that uh, if your guy is playing in the morning, you want to maybe look at some underscoring props and over birdie props. And maybe if he's playing in the afternoon, you want to go in the other direction because the wind kind of kicks up in the afternoon. Um, what do you think of these lines? Do you think? How, do you think any? Do you think they were off? Do you think they were fair? What do you think?
0: I think that um, I like the strokes. I, I think I think the sharper lines are the birdie lines. I think the strokes mm-hmm. one there's a there there's a lot of room for because it it's essentially two under or maybe three under depending on the golfer. If we think it's going to play fairly easy, especially like you mentioned in the morning, I think it's easier to shoot a score. Birdies are birdies is a fickle game, man. Cause you could shoot, um, you know, you could shoot three under 68 and not hit your prop. I think ROMS was four and a half, which I, I, I don't know. I, I think that is a bit more fickle than the stroke side of it.
1: Yeah, I would agree. You know, it's, it's tricky for me because on the surface it was like, Oh, 69, 68.5. This is, these are, you know, kind of high for what we expect to be birdie fest, but even birdie fest, if you look at like the actual total scoring average. On birdie fest courses, like it's a st- if you're playing a stroke under par, like that's really easy. Correct. So implying that on average guys are shooting two strokes under par, they are saying that it's going to be really easy themselves.
0: Yeah. And you essentially then are going to need them to that's why I kind of look at it as like a, a strokes gain thing. Like, is is John Rahm going to gain a stroke on the field? Is he going to gain two strokes on the field? Because if you think the scoring average could be 69 and a half or something like that. Now he just has to gain a stroke on the field, yada, yada, yada. So that's
1: kind of the way I try to look at it. By the way, last thing, I'm just like reading the chats as they come in. It's, completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Like half the people think that ROM is going to miss the cut. And the other half of the people think he's going to win, which I think makes it so there's no in between, like you either are total. And that's kind of how it feels on DFS. You kind of almost have to lock ROM in and play him in every single one of your lineups to get leverage on the field, or you just fade him entirely. I think that's really fun. It's interesting.
0: It is interesting. Um, I'm excited to see. Kind of how ownership shakes shakes itself out here. But the code is Rick. The link is in the description. Armina, release the props. There they are. Boom. Andy, your very first prop for round one this week on Prize Picks. What do you got?
1: I went with Finau under six or 69 strokes. I don't feel great about it. Uh, but I will say this about Finau. I think uh, the numbers suggest that he might be playing a little bit better than uh, the results indicate. He's done it before on these resort courses, right? He's, he's won before at Cocoa beach in 2016. He's had some nice success on past Palm. And I think you put Tony Finau on a course where driving distance matters and long iron play matters, and he can go out and, and make a bunch of birdies. Like, I think it's a decent, decent week for Finau. So I'll say that he gets off to a hot start and goes under 69 strokes.
0: I, I, I think there is definitely a path for Fino to find success here, right? It's, it's drive it without much regard for accuracy, which, which helps him. Then he's a top 20 approach player and we've seen the breadcrumbs of his short game starting to get a little bit better. The putting coming around. I, I, I think there's a path for Tony this week. I'm actually quite optimistic and I'm not, and I'm not usually optimistic about Tony Fino.
1: I was going to take your guy. And then I saw that you, uh, You took him first. So why don't you talk about Gary Woodland? Gary Woodland under 69 strokes. Yeah, I think
0: everyone, I mean, listen, he's going to be popular. There's a reason he's going to be popular. I've for a year and a half worried about Ricky Fowler. I've worried about Gary Woodland because they're getting so far away from their DNA. Gary looks back to me. He's hitting it far again. The ball striking is there. It's what you want to see from what is uh, presumably a very healthy gary woodland and now it's turning into results Andy, it's like three straight it's like three top eights in his last six starts i I just think we're getting good version of gary back again
1: cosine on absolutely everything that you said and i'll i'll talk about gary a little bit more uh as we get on later in the show boy abe answers my other one
0: over four birdies i thought the hook was
1: important here because some of the odds
0: were four and a half or some of the mm-hmm. lines were four and a half. And that means you have to make five, obviously, if you want to go over, but four gives you at least the opportunity to push. I think he can get to four. If he gets the five, we win it. I, I mentioned it's a little bit fickle, but there's a couple of shorter, a uh, couple of shorter uh, par threes. There's the drivable uh, or the short par four answer is, I mean, he makes, he makes as many birdies as Tony Finau does. And Finau's hanging a four and a half line. I just, mm-hmm. I just think, we get
1: good engaged version
0: of answer this week.
1: I went with uh, Reed under as four birdies as well because I I just kind of as a way to hedge my bets, just because you know I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it's going to be super super easy on day one. And I still think four birdies. One thing that I did notice about the par fives, it's not that there aren't a fair amount of birdie holes here, but some of the par fives are quite long. Right. So I don't necessarily think that all of the par fives will be able to be reachable in two. And I look at someone like Patrick Reed, who's so dependent on his putter right now. And you've got all these, there's five par threes, Rick, and all of them play over 170 yards, right? Patrick Reed, like one of the worst players in this field, actually, um, over like the past year and a half from 175 yards plus, um, you know, I think he's a very intriguing DraftKings play this week. Uh, but this is kind of a way to hedge my bets and say, okay, maybe let's take somebody who isn't the best iron player, who's a little reliant on their putter, and let's let's actually see how easy this course actually is.
0: You're I'm assuming you're arguing that he's intriguing because he is like ten thousand dollars, which is completely not deserving of the play uh, that we've seen from him. No one's going to want to play him like that. That's, that's the game theory angle of this. I imagine
1: hundred percent. I think there's a chance that Patrick Reed is 5% owned and you know, is he overpriced? Yes. But who isn't overpriced in this field? You almost have to chain. You, almost have, you could play a guy who has nine wins in his career at 10k or you could save $300 and play Cameron chingali who's never won on the PGA Tour in his career and might be double the ownership of Reed. So it's just it's a very very interesting week for game theory in my opinion.
0: Answer over 4 birdies, Reed under 4 birdies, Gary Woodland under 69 strokes, Tony Finau under 69 strokes. That's what we're going with if we power play them all and win them all. It's an 11 times return on your investment. The code you're looking for is Rick. There's a link in the description. It gives you an instant deposit bonus. So go and check that out. Andy, we got to get to our matchups. We've got to talk one and done, but we're going to do that on the other side. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over-under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rom. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdie's or better, Fairway's hit, Greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Okay, Andy, head to head matchups here. Uh, I was two and three last week. I got clipped by the Chileans uh, withdrawing from that event. And you had another strong week four and one moving your season long total to 34, 20 and four. Now we try to parse out the lack of information, the weaker field. I also noticed not a single John Rom matchup was available at DK Sportsbook, which is like the favorite, the guy that people probably want to bet. They couldn't even muster up like a minus 200 against somebody.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I guess you put him against Fenall or Woodland and he'd probably have to be over -200, minus -250 200, minus and I don't know who's laying that.
0: Well, if you if you make his odds, if you make his outright odds +350 and everybody else at 20 to 1, if you put him in a matchup against one of those guys at 20 to 1, he's going to have to be a fairly fairly big long or a fairly big favorite. It, it's it kind of wild, right? Yeah.
1: It's, it's really, it's really, really wild. Um, um, anyway, the other thing is $44 billion. Here's
0: what I would do. I'd build a golf course and I would build a golf specific sports book somewhere that just lets you choose which two golfers to put against one another. And if I want to take John Rom versus Doug Kim, and I want to pay minus 700 for it, I'll do it. Just let me choose and have the computer create the odds.
1: Yes. Do you think that's the future? Do you think we'll get that? It should
0: be the present. Um, Honestly, I don't know, man, because I, I think I think I'm too optimistic on innovation in this space. Mm-hmm. I think that we've seen and maybe it's just because, you know, new states are rolling out. These places are just printing. They don't have to be they don't have to be good books. Right. They don't have to like you see the like people get limited to like 12 bucks and something like they don't have to be good books because they're making money hand over fist. If there was more competition to be a good book, I think you'd see stuff like this.
1: Good point. And I think, you know, the books, what we are seeing, which is positive, is competition in the marketplace. Right. We are starting to see like, have you noticed this year the odds boost thing? I feel like the odds boost thing is like kind of a, New thing that I never really noticed this year, but now it feels like every single week all of these books are competing for our money and offering all of these like crazy enhanced offerings.
0: Yes. And my my worry uh is that well, and it's kind of already happening. I mean, like WinBed is like basically out of the business already. And you know, nine months ago they were spending a ridiculous amount of of money and they're probably gonna be sold at some point. Like what I worry is that. DraftKings and FanDuel, because they have all the user accounts already, will ne- then just be the two biggest sports books, and then they will be able to just do whatever they want. They won't have to offer boosts. They won't have to offer they won't have to offer anything if that's the only options you have.
1: Well, Rick, you just got called the Elon Musk of golf gambling. So I think it's on you to figure that, it out. Is that a compliment
0: or a uh not? <laughs> so no just, idea.
1: Uh yeah,
0: I'll um yeah, I'll work on that. I'll I'll see what I can do and change change this whole thing. That'd be nice. All right, matchups for this week. Tony Finau, Abraham Anser. That's our first one. Uh, you and I have both both gone in the same direction here for the first two. Who's our pick for
1: this matchup? I went with Finau. This is unquantifiable, and I tell people to stay away from unquantifiable. But I'm breaking my rules this week. Outside of Abe's recent form, which isn't great, he might be hurt. He's been withdrawing from a couple of tournaments. I don't love, I think a lot of people love that Abe is in Mexico this week. I don't know. I feel like he's going to be in a lot of business meetings with Grupo Salinas discussing his tequila company. Like I don't, he went on a podcast earlier this year and talked about, yeah, he was excited for the tournament, but he's never seen this golf course before he said that. And it's just, it's a lot of pressure. And I think he's going to have a lot of other duties this week outside of golf. So I'm going to go with fee now. How's that for a weird reason? That's a good one. You know, Carlos Ortiz has been way better
0: in Mexico than Abraham answer has been
1: great point. Bet last time Carlos Ortiz played great was at my when he almost won.
0: That's the last, yeah. The last time he played literally and he, and like literally last time he played well was in Mexico. And he's been I think it's got like four straight top twenties in Mexico, something, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, we, we talked about it. I, I think this is one of the better setups for Finau. I think we're starting to see signs of him playing well again, or at least the short game being better. I'm I'm optimistic. Maybe we try to catch him a little bit early here. Uh, the next one's Patrick Reed versus Doug Gim. We both went with Doug Gim. Andy, I, okay, I get he's got a bunch of victories. I get the long-term stuff with Reed. I don't have any evidence of him being, being good at
1: golf for the last nine months. Again, I think there are certain markets where you could make an interesting case for Patrick Reed. For I sure. do not think the matchup market is one of them. Yeah, I don't really have a ton of interest in playing Reed in matchups, and I would imagine that Gim is still the underdog to him, right? Gim yeah, is was. eight point nine was K, one
0: twenty. Yeah, Reed's minus one twenty. Uh, Doug is even money.
1: Okay. So I mean, GIM's like eight point nine in DraftKings and Reed's ten. But you know, I think the range of outcomes with Reed is a lot higher than the range of outcomes with GIM. I think there's a high. Yes, Reed has more upside, but I think GIM is safer. As crazy as that sounds, Um, so I would rather play GIM in the matchup.
0: You are you are definitely onto something with the Reed exposure that you would want would be high risk high reward things, Uh, not necessarily beat one other golfer something that is you know you want a little bit of a high floor for there are ways to deploy Reed, but this doesn't feel like it
1: yes Co- completely agree. So I I think Gim is probably the safer play in matchups.
0: Gary Woodland versus Sebastian Munoz, uh, we split here. But I I'm just trying to catch up with you, catch up to you. Like I I, I love Gary Woodland in this spot. I think there is a decent case for Sebastian Munoz. So that's why I went with this week. He's a streaky player. Uh, the putter's starting to look a little bit a, a little bit better. I think when he gets hot, he can make enough birdies. I went with Munoz, but I will admit I'm I'm just I'm just playing catch up here.
1: Yeah, I went with wait look, I don't even remember. It was Munoz and uh I went with Gary. Why'd you go Munoz? Make the case. Uh I, I just think that he can get hot. I
0: think that we've seen the play start to turn in the right direction. And uh when he drives it well, that's like that's when you know he's on. I just I just wanted to be different than you because you put Gary Woodland in the outline first
1: and I'm trying to play catch up. Fair enough. Are you concerned? Tokyo Swan just bringing the absolute fire today. Munoz back injury and caddy change. I was aware that he's been withdrawing a little bit from tournaments. Had no idea about a caddy change though. You would be surprised. I think there are, that's another thing we got to
0: get to the range report at how often Mm -hmm. some of these guys are using, whether it's for a week or the Florida swing or just like they're switching. There's really not as many, secure caddy positions as I think we want to believe there are because we only know the caddies for the top guys that are very successful that hang around for a long time you,
1: like a lot of the field is switching a lot <laughs> great point yeah and there's been I've seen a bunch of weeks where you know guys have had a fill-in caddy and they've been awesome so yeah. okay I like the I like the play on Munoz that's interesting Uh, Kevin Strelman versus Lonto Griffin is next.
0: We are both on the same side here. I thought you might take the Lonto side, Andy, because I know when I listened to your pod, uh, he's someone that kind of popped early in the week for you, but we both ended up on Kevin Strelman here. Did we? I meant to put Lonto. Oh, you want to change
1: it? I'm changing. All right, switch it up. I assumed you were going with Lonto, which is why I went with Strelman, although Strelman's been pretty good recently. I'm going with Lonto. I think Lonto is kind of underpriced and undervalued in this field based on you know my metrics um which is interesting to me because it's not like he's playing all that great golf but i think some of the stuff i'm looking at suggests that he's playing a little bit better than the results indicate um so i'm gonna roll the dice with lonto here um but i have no problem with stroman 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 seems like a fine play this week as well shout out duke yeah, 16th at the
0: Honda Classic, 22nd at the Players, 7th at the Valspar, 18th at Valero. Missed the cut at the RBC Heritage, but that was kind of short game stuff. He's driving it well. Uh, yeah, he's a savvy vet. He can get himself around a new golf course. So we'll find some blood there. Kevin Strowman versus Lonto Griffin. And then finally, these two, who are basically you know in that second tier, Andy, behind John Rahm in terms of uh, favorites. Kevin Na versus Cameron Tringale.
1: What in the
0: wide world of golf do we do here?
1: Okay, yeah, I'm on Tringale. The last two matchups, I was like, I had to look back at the outline. I was like writing down different things than I actually thought for some reason. That's what happens when I I get frazzled (laughs) with prize picks, putting up their props 10 minutes before we go live. Anyway, I think Cameron Tringale is relatively safe this week. I think the inverse argument that we made about Patrick Reed can be made for Cameron Tringale. Uh, in the sense that I feel pretty comfortable that he's going to make the cut and play well here, although he actually has missed a couple more cuts this season than I would have expected. Um, I don't love this golf course for Kevin Na, but I'm interested to hear your case, because I I presume that you're pretty high on him this week, given what's to come.
0: Well, we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, so I'm, I'm not very confident in this, to to be to be quite honest. But um Kevin Naught is someone that I think is very hard to model and very hard to understand. And to put it simply, he just puts the ball in the cup and it's it's never pretty. The stat models never really like him because he's a hair reliant on the short game and all that fun stuff, and he doesn't hit it very far. Gains a lot of strokes on approach or at least has dating back to like the start of 2022. The putter can get scorching. He has legitimate win equity, which I don't think a lot of the guys in this field could argue. Um, I think he's, I actually think he's quite interesting in, in DFS formats as well, because I don't know what the public perception is going to be around Kevin knob, but I think he's incredibly
1: difficult to model. And he just, he just finds a way he's, He's does a lot of the read stuff, except he's actually coming in in good form. Like right. Kevin Na almost led; I think he was second to Cameron Smith in approach at the Masters.
0: Nine point four strokes gained
1: on approach at the Masters. Yeah, so you can't at this point. You kind of have to put a little bit more respect on his ball striking too.
0: Oh, for sure. The the thing I'm most worried about is um, he's very short off the tee, very accurate, which is not really what I'd like here. But if he can find, you know, if he can gain multiple strokes on approach Uh, for, uh this week. I, I think that that's, that's his pathway to being inside the top 20.
1: Okay. I like it. Fair enough.
0: One and done. You are back to $2 million clear. Uh, we have both implied who our picks are going to be. So Andy, officially, you are rolling with Gary Woodland.
1: I guess I'm going to go with Woodland, right? I mean, I, I... I... Yeah, you should. It's tough. It's tough this week. Do you have Rom left, by the way? No. I used him at the players and
0: got forty six thousand dollars for him. You used him at Farmers and got four hundred and forty five thousand.
1: Okay, so I think Rom is an intriguing one and done play um this week. And I think Woodland is probably going to be, I would make a guess. You I want to hear your take on it too. Um, I would say the two most popular one and done selections this week are probably gonna be Finao and Woodland. Almost certainly. Um, and I can kind of give you an idea of
0: that. So ownership usually paints a pretty decent picture too. That does. And there's also um so the one of the the pool the the site that I use for the the Rick Rungood one and done is officefootballpool.com and they show you the site wide picks before it locks. And that is very, very much in line with what you see across the industry. So right now the top five are Abe Answer, Gary Woodland, Kevin Knob, believe it or not, Cameron mm. Trigale, and Tony Finau. Those are your top five.
1: Not surprising. So I think if you're playing in a bigger pool, maybe look at Rom, maybe look at Patrick Reed, maybe look at A guy like Cameron Champ, if you're trailing and really need some upside, maybe look at a Munoz. Uh, But between me and you, I feel pretty comfortable with a $2 million lead just rolling out Gary Woodland.
0: Yeah. So I, for sure. That's, that's the play. I, um, I saw that you had Gary Woodland, so I didn't want to take Gary Woodland. Obviously that doesn't make any Mm -hmm. sense. I have already used Rom. I've already used Tringale. I've already used Finau. And I think there was somebody else that I was looking at that I wanted that I'd already used. So I'm like, I kind of backed myself into this and I'm, I'm just buying the couple few percentage points more of win equity that Kevin Na has over some of these other guys. And I hope I find my yearly, like if I get a yearly Kevin Na win or a yearly cam champ win this week, like I would not be surprised and I would probably benefit off of that.
1: And where else are you going to find a week where Kevin Na and Gary Woodland are both sub thirty to one? Right? Never, ne- yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: let's talk about the Rom thing a little bit because I I do like kind of using John Rom here because if you have if you if you have not used him if you haven't used him for the players the largest purse on tour if you haven't used him for the Masters uh, what are you saving him for another ma- you're not probably not going to use him at the Open Championship I guess you're saving him for the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, depending on if your league goes into the Torch. I don't know what you're saving him for, but if you want to talk about expected value, if you believe the three and a half to one odds, and this implies he's going to win it 22% of the time and 22% of the time, he's going to get 1.3, 1.4 million dollars. I, like It's not the worst place
1: to use him. I 100% agree with you, Rick. Um, I think it depends on your position. I think it depends on contest size, too. The only thing that's interesting to me that I would say is the drawback is I was surprised at how small this purse is. So I'm wondering if it's the same amount of money almost. If John Rahm finishes like solo third in the U.S. Open, is that just as much money as winning this tournament? That would be kind of the only question that I would have.
0: Yeah, I'd have to look at that. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot there. No, I'm just trying to think. What did Rom finish at Farmers? Second or third, right? That was 445. I'm trying to look at the play. I mean, what did Berger finish at the Players? Although that purse is kind of crazy. That was 327. He finished 14th, I think. Okay, jeez. Oh my God, there's so much money in that thing. Um, This is a $7.3 million purse. So this is basically the same...
1: Man, it, it really it's like the Wyndham Championship. It's, it's on the lower end, right? It's the lower end. Yeah. But, you know, Rom's odds imply that he's gonna win this tournament 22 percent of the time, which I don't agree with, by the way. Right. But he's not he does not have a win probability above 10% at any of the majors or any of the tournaments later this year, I would presume. Like you even put him in a FedEx Cup playoff of I mean, and what's he gonna play the rest of the year? This is the only right tournament i would i mean it's it's probably he's not going to show up to the john deere or the rocket mortgage right or the 3m he never plays those ones now it'll be like the memorial um which you know that, if you're a vengeance guy a oh yeah oh,
0: uh, the vengeance narratives i can see it already
1: oh it's gonna be massive it's gonna be massive and everyone's gonna pick him that week right so everyone's saving rom for Memorial and PGA championship and US Open. So you're getting the case is basically you're getting him at his highest win probability of the season at low ownership.
0: I think I'm getting convinced. I can't use him here, but in other places, um, I'm very intrigued. Andy, appreciate you, brother. Um You can be found on Twitter at ADP Sports. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, uh, but I do want to pick your brain at some point. You have a new pod out with um, Mike Cavalunas, who uh, does a lot of smart things on the internet. I've exchanged a lot of emails with him and phone calls and stuff like that. And uh, it is, I, I think there is also a void. This is something we can talk about offline for just kind of some more general, but specific fantasy strategy, pull strategy, betting strategy that kind of lives on more than just the three days of content that we generally create. I think that's honestly more like lineup reviews, things like that. I just think there's, I think, I I think there's more to be done.
1: So that's what I've basically been doing in my two most recent podcasts and people have been loving it. So I'm with you. 100%. Um, Thanks for the plug there. Michael's a really, really smart dude. Go check out that podcast and we should, yeah, we should. I'd love to get you and him on something together that we could all do. Maybe we bring him on the scramble one time or something. Well, that's a like good that. idea. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. we don't just have a show twice a week that we could bring other people along. <laughs> I always forget about that part.
0: Yeah, we just bring uh that's that'd be like a good Friday. It'd be like a good Friday show. Agreed. Agreed.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Follow Andy on Twitter at ADPLackSports. Armina doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. You can find me at Rick Run. Good. This has been your Friday, Tuesday scramble. (laughs) Oh, boy. We're off to a great start. Catch you next time.